This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It's great to see you here on Father's Day. Wish all you fathers a happy, happy Father's Day. We're going to begin in uh, just a new series, kind of tying in with the last few weeks, but we're going to talk about some generational stuff. We'll tie that in this morning. I'm welcoming all of you here today. I believe it's going to be a great day, especially for all you fathers. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. We desire for you to have the Word of God in your hand so you see biblically what God's saying for you. Once you get your hand up, they'll help you, they'll assist you. Go to, uh, with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 12. Proverbs 12, and we'll read a proverb for you. You know, Proverbs 17, 6 says, And the glory of, of the children is the Father. So, Father God, breathe on us today. Help us today, especially as fathers. Help us. Proverbs 12, verse number 3, if I can get there. It says, a man is not established by wickedness. Thank God we're not established by wickedness. But the root of the righteous cannot be moved. The, the root of the godly cannot be moved. Now, when he talks about the root of the righteousness, it's, or the righteous, it's referring to our children. And because the heritage of God in your life It cannot be moved. Now, right now, if you're walking in any form of a blessing in your life, understand someone obeyed God. Someone in your bloodline, someone in your genetics, they obeyed God. And because they obeyed God, you're walking in that. You're a beneficiary of that. In other words, it didn't just happen. There was a price that was paid. Turn a couple pages back to your left to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, as we begin this on the genetics, this will be one of our major passages of Scripture. Our major text we'll use in the upcoming weeks. And you will begin to see genetically how things happen. But God has always been about the family. God loves the family. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You begin to see that. And so that is our design, how God wanted it to be. But think about this. As a human being, physically, your genetics, your DNA, your makeup comes from your mom and dad, your biological parents. Now, you'll have one say, well, you look like your daddy, but you act like your mother. Or vice versa. And we really, really understand this when it comes medically. That oftentimes when you have issues within your body and you go to a doctor and the doctor says, tell me about your family history. Why? Because the doctor knows that so much of what happens even physically within our bodies is hereditary. Now, as human beings, we understand that physically. We see that. But what about spiritually? What about spiritually? Is there spiritual DNA, genetics that come? Yeah. And how that looks is there's a blessing or there's a curse. And so we begin this morning, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today. And when he uses the word today, and he references that many times in this passage, think about it in this sense, yesterday's over, tomorrow's not here, all I have is today. And when you see the Lord saying this uh, uh, today, it's as if the Lord said, don't procrastinate. 
Don't keep putting off the things of God. So he said, I've set before you today. Life and good, death and evil. Two choices. Life and good, death and evil. Verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. To walk in his ways. To keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. That you may live and multiply. And the Lord God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now, if you look at the last part. He said, God wants to multiply you. And God wants to bless you. And I believe if I was to poll every one of us in here right now and say, how many of you want to multiply and be blessed? It would be unanimous, I would think. If you didn't raise your hand, we will pray for liars later. Because we all want to multiply and we want to be blessed. But literally, verse 16 tells us what God will do. But it also tells us how we get there. And how do we get there? We love the Lord thy God. How do we love God? Well, remember John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So part of loving God isn't just to say, I love you, Father God. But part of it is that I obey. I walk in the things of of God. And as a result of that, I'm going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away or if your heart becomes hard so that you do not hear. And you're drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and possess. Now, he tells us right here, because of my choices, there's going to be some consequences. If I obey, I'm blessed. But if I choose to leave the things of God, which you can, I'm not going to be blessed. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, against you, every one of us in this room, that I have set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Now just imagine here that there's this big long table, and there's two settings at this table. At this end of the table is life and blessing. At this end of the table is death and cursing. That's exactly what he's telling us there. And you you read what he said. He said, choose you this day. Choose. And so when he says choose, it becomes my decision and my choices to say, I'm going to live on this end of the table. I don't want to live at that end of the table. I want to live under the blessing. I, I want to live under life. And remember this about Father God. Father God will not force you to choose life. He desires for you to choose life. How do I know that? Well, he said, I set before you this day. And then at the last part of verse 19, he says, therefore choose life. It's like it's an open book test and God cheats and he gives us the answer. He said, if you're in the dilemma of life and you don't know which one to choose, let me help you choose life. Now he gives us that option. He won't force me, but understand this, by my choices... I choose the consequences. Now look how he ends in verse 19. That both you and your descendants or your offspring may live. Now this was God's desire right here. 
And if you get this right here, understand that my choices not only impact me, they impact my offspring, my children, my descendants. So if I choose to honor God and I live for God wholeheartedly, that's if my nature and my DNA goes to my children in that sense. But if I choose to live for God half-heartedly or reluctantly or not at all, that's to the nature that my kids and my descendants are going to receive. Because guess what happens? As monkey see, monkey do. And so our children are always watching us. Now we jump to verse 20. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him. For He is your life. God is my life. Your DNA and my DNA has God written all over it. That God said in Psalm 139, He said, I wonderfully fearfully and skillfully created you. Not one of you in this room are mistakes. Not one of you in this room, in God's eyes, is an oops. Not in God's eyes. He knew. And when you give your heart to God, He doesn't look and it's a mystery and He's got to run to Jesus and all the angels and say, Oh my gosh, look who just got saved. He's very aware of you. And his desire is that his life comes on the inside of us. And he goes on to say, And the length of your days is that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, God loves the family. God loves the generations. And I believe one of God's greatest joys is to see the family, the Abraham, the Isaac, the Jacob, the Joseph, the Ephraim and Manasseh say, we're going to serve God. Now in saying that, you may be here today, and there may be no evidence of your bloodline, no history of your bloodline of God in your life. That's okay. You become the generational pioneer. You begin to want to rise up. You know, I see him right here. This, this, this blessed me so much. A, a little over a year ago, raise your hand, Joe. This is Joe Rojas. Joe said to me one day, he said, Pastor, I want to leave a blessing to my boys. He said, I don't want to be known as this person. And Joe, I'll just go ahead and tell him because you were very similar to me. Joe carried an ice chest around him. And he didn't have Dr. Pepper in that. He had an adult beverage or whatever that would be. But he said, Pastor, I don't want to be that way. I want my kids to see a godly man. And guess what? I've seen him rise up. I've seen the things of God. Now, I will stand before you today and say, I am blessed. My, my own earthly father's here today. And in my bloodline, there's four generations of us right now. We're serving God. We're serving God, and it's with the great joy. I don't say that to criticize you, to condemn you. I say that to say, let's raise the bar. Let's serve God. Turn back to your left to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and you're saying, Pastor, this is a strange Father's Day sermon. We're getting there, okay? We're getting there. 
Deuteronomy chapter 5. Begin with me in verse 6. I am the Lord your God who rescued you or brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is a thing in heaven or thing uh, below the earth or the water under the earth. Now, this is where we've got to really dig in here. Watch this, verse 9. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting or punishing the iniquities of the fathers. Now, I, I'm going to stop there because when we see the word iniquity there, an iniquity has to do with sin. Iniquity means a, a sin that has been repeated over and over and over again to the point it's never been repented of or turned from. The Hebrew word for iniquity is the word ava, A-V-A-H, and I may have not pronounced that right, but that is our West Texas pronunciation of it, okay? That word means to bend, to twist, or to distort in a certain way. So when we talk about an iniquity, it could be a sin. It could be an attitude, or it could be a behavior. Now what begins to happen this way, it is like a tree. That when that tree comes up out of the earth, it is straight like this. But over years, day by day by day, if the wind is coming out of this direction, what does that tree begin to do? He just begins to lean this way. He leans this way, and that's what a generational iniquity does. You have the tendency to lean that way. Now look what he goes on to say. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers, the sins of the fathers, upon the children, to the third and the fourth generation, to those who hate me or those who reject me. Now, I used to say this a lot. God, that's not fair. That the iniquities of the fathers would be handed down to the children. But once again, if we, if we think about it physically, we understand that we get a lot of our characteristics, our looks, our DNA from them. But it's the same thing spiritually. Listen to how the New Living says it. It says, I lay the sins upon the parents of, or I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected. So we see these generational iniquities that we're talking about here, and the problem is with these generational iniquities that from one generation to the next, they get stronger. They begin to have more of an influence. To the way it looks this way. And we go back to the analogy of the tree. That first generations, when they start getting over into a sin. And they keep repeat, repeating it. It begins to bend. And the second one bends a little more. And the third a little bit more. And the fourth until it's really, really destructive. Now just think about this in your own family bloodlines. Your family tree. Do you see tendencies in your family that you look and say, wow, that has been repeated over and over and over again? Let me say this to you. 
There's not one family member in here that doesn't come from some form of dysfunction. Every one of us have certain tendencies we've been toward. Now, in my own bloodline, my life, my father didn't do this, but my grandfather did. That we had great issues with alcohol to the degree he died of it. And I remember at a young age, they begin to say, you look like your grandfather, and you act like your grandfather. And before long, that tendency of alcohol tried to dominate. And so I'll use myself as an example. That influence was there for me to go toward that direction. Understand this today. That the foundation of every tree is the root. You want to know what the fruit will be? Just follow the root. And if you see that root in your family bloodline... Your family tree, that's probably the area you're going to start gravitating toward. Now understand this. Just because I have the tendency to bend in that direction does not mean I have to go in that direction. Remember in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he said, I say to you, choose this day. You choose. So even though there may be a generational iniquity, a sin, an attitude or behavior in your life, I don't have to keep going in that direction. So I'm telling you this right now. Don't use it as a crutch. Don't use it as an excuse, a cop-out to say, well, my daddy was this way, so I'm just going to be this way. I do know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But the reason the generational iniquity comes is someone chose not to obey God, and when it changes, it's because someone said, enough's enough. I'm going to obey God. I'm not going to be dominated by that anymore. So you say, how does this tie in, Pastor, with Father's Day? Well, go to Genesis 12, and we'll head that direction. Genesis chapter 12. Now, remember these upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about this. Um, I, I can tell you that this may be one of the greatest areas in my life that I've studied. I've studied this and I've studied this. And this stuff just jumps on the inside of me because I, I see it so clearly right now. I mean, there's ones in this room, and this isn't in a judgmental way at all. But I see how even with sin, it's repeated itself in your family bloodline. Now, an iniquity, guys... It, it could be as much as murder, sexual abuse. It could come on the lines where you see rebellion in your family, hatred in your family. How about this? This is an attitude. He's a control freak. He's got to control everything. And a lot of times when you look at that, you'll say, why do you control everything? And they'll say, well... That's how my mom did or my dad did. So it's in a lot of different behaviors. Now, we go to what we call the first family right here. The first father. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram. Abram was the first father. Now look at his instructions here. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. Now get this. And in you, Abraham, all the families. Man, God is a family man. God is a family God. God loves the family. 
And he said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's God's design, his, his, his heart for every one of us in this room. Does it mean I'm going to walk in it? No, but I can. So in this passage here, God tells Abram, he said, the first thing you got to do, buddy, you got to obey me. Do what I've asked you to, but my desire is that all the families of the earth be blessed right through you. So life starts going on, it passes by, and his wife's name is Sarah. And Sarah realized she is going to be the mother of this covenant child. That In due time, she's going to have a baby. That's the issue with God. God said, I want to make you the father and the mother of many nations. That didn't necessarily mean now. Oftentimes when God puts things in your heart, that may not mean right now. But as long as I serve God, it'll come to pass. So time goes by, and Sarah cannot get pregnant. So Sarah comes up with human nature. And you know what she says? Because of a lack of patience, she said, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. So she says to Abraham, she said, here's a great thought. I have a maidservant named Hagar. Why don't you go in with her and let her conceive? So think about this. One morning early, they're out on the patio and they're drinking coffee. And Sarah says, Abe, I've got this great idea. Why don't you go in with my maidservant? And I wonder if Abraham said, well, give me a few days to pray about her. He said, okay. It's kind of bizarre, though, you think about it. Your wife saying, so anyhow... Focus, pastor, focus. Okay. So Abraham obeys, and he does that. And Hagar, the maidservant, conceives. Now, you're real close. Turn a couple pages to Genesis 16. Genesis chapter 16. Verse 11. Ooh, I like to hear pages turning. That blesses me. And the angel of the Lord said to her. The angel of the Lord says to Hagar. Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has heard your prayers or your affliction. He, Ishmael, the son that you're pregnant with shall be a wild man. Not the greatest prophecy or the message you would like to hear from an angel. And many translations, instead of wild man, it will say a wild donkey. Now, if you study the wild donkey, it was almost impossible to tame them. So when the Lord said this, he was saying, you better get ready because you got a good one. And this is literally where we get the term, the wild child from. Now that wasn't a blessing, okay? Listen what would take place in his life. His hand or his fist shall be against every man. And every man's hand or fist against him. And he shall dwell in open hostility in the presence of all his brethren. Now, this was what was spoken over him. 
if you study this child named Ishmael, his descendants, right now, at this very moment, they are the modern day Arabs. The ones that are causing all the issue in the Middle East. The very thing that was spoken over him is still in action to this day. And the brethren that he would oppose, it's the Israelites. But understand this about Ishmael. His father was Jewish descent. His mother was from the heritage of the Pharaoh of the Egyptians. So right there, guess what took place? Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So now you got some issues in his life. So as life goes on for the next 13 years of Ishmael's life, he is under the roof of his father, Abraham. And Abraham is is training him up. But before long, Sarah gets pregnant with the child of covenant named Isaac. Turn a few pages to Genesis chapter 21. Now, Sarah's pregnant. She has the boy Isaac. And we pick up in Genesis 21, verse 8. So the child, Isaac, was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Now, when you read that word right there, it says... He began to mock Isaac. He began to persecute Isaac. I believe what took place here is when Ishmael saw the the child of promise come on Isaac, there was a sense of jealousy, a sense of contentment. But also, I believe this was an example of competition. And it bothered Ishmael. Watch what happens, verse 11 or verse 10. Therefore, Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. So you know what happens? Sarah tells Abraham, cut him off. Kick him out. Boot him out. Get him out of our life. Hagar and his son Ishmael. So here's this young boy who's been under his father for 13 years, and now he's told to get out. You're no longer wanted. I wonder if he didn't have the thought, was I born into the wrong family? Because at this stage in his life, he had done nothing wrong. Nothing. He got caught up in a mess that took place between Sarah and Hagar. But yet he was punished for it. And so when you begin to study all this out and you begin to see, it became very evident that Isaac lived under the roof of his father. And it became very evident that Ishmael didn't. To the point it devastated him. He no longer had a father figure in his life. And the I in Ishmael's name literally right now stands for what we call the I generation. And the I generation is marked because they are fatherless. And because they're fatherless, the root of that or the fruit of that is rebellion. Now remember this with me saying that. He had done nothing wrong. 
But this is what happens when there's not a father figure there. That they begin to look for someone to, to affirm them, to help them. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. Train them up. This was God's structure. This was the order that God put in the family, the home. He said for the moms and dads, train them up in the way they should go. Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, he said, As for me and my house, my wife says we've got to go to church. That's not what it says. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This was the father, Joshua. He made the bold statement of leadership and he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So fatherhood is more than just provision. Fatherhood is more than me just putting food on the table, shelter and a clothing. He said, train them up in the way they should go. And so right here, Joshua, would, Joshua understood the spiritual dynamics of a father. That as a father, I become the example. I become the model. I literally live it out before my children. And so in this passage right here, Ishmael rebelled because he was rejected. Isaac excelled because he was received. In the Old Testament, it used a word affirmed. Isaac was affirmed by his father. He was blessed by his father. In the Jewish custom, the bar mitzvah, it can only be recited by the father. It means to bless. Only the father carried the blessing. And so in that situation... Abraham blessed Isaac, but he never did affirm Ishmael like he needed. And so because Ishmael was never affirmed by his father, he went where he could be affirmed. And that's what's happening in our society right now. We have a generation of the fatherless that are looking for affirmation, but from the wrong places. And when a child is affirmed in the wrong places... It's destructive. Right now in America, right now, nine out of every ten male that is in prison, they had a father, but they didn't have a father figure. They didn't have a daddy to say, you know what? I'm going to train you up. Now, listen to me real clearly. In no way am I preaching condemnation. I'm saying, I sense God saying, let's raise the bar, dads. Let's raise the bar. Now, look, hold your finger right there in Genesis. I'm going to come back. Look, look at this verse in, in Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. I'm reading three days ago, one morning, I'm reading the Proverbs. And I come across this verse right here. Literally jumps off the pages at me. Proverbs 29. Verse 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. 
The rod and rebuke. Okay, so we got to break down those two words. The rod means discipline. Rebuke means correction or guidance. So he says right here, the rod and rebuke is what brings wisdom. I believe God was saying, every child needs discipline and every child needs guidance. That's the order he set up. And so right there, daddies, we're charged to discipline and we're charged to give guidance. Now, I was blessed that I had a father that disciplined me. Thank God he did. (laughs) Better watch it, he's here. (laughs) I look at that, especially at my age now, and I say, thank God I had a dad who disciplined me. I I truly believe this, that I would be a part of the I generation if I didn't have a dad who did that. Because my nature was so bad as it was. But thank God I had a daddy who disciplined me. And so you dads that are are disciplined and giving your kids guidance, I applaud you. I give you standing ovation. And more so, I thank God saying, way to go, dads. The father who loves his children corrects them. Just like Father God corrects us. But watch what happens when there's not discipline and guidance. But a child left to himself will ultimately bring shame to his mother. Will ultimately bring shame or disgrace to the mother. Not because the mother's a bad person, but because the mother wasn't designed to be the one that always carried out the discipline and the guidance. And in our society right now, that's the issue. That we've got so many that are wandering around and the daddies, it's more about convenience for them. See, it's not a daddy to have a kid. Any man can have a kid. It's a daddy who will raise them and train them and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Now, we've talked about the negative side of this a lot. I want you to go to the positive side. Go with me to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. I'll say this again. Fathers, you are needed. You are valued. You are incredible. You know, you who raise your children godly and train them up, oftentimes they'll have friends that'll come to your house. And you begin to see the friends that they like hanging out at your house. You know why? Because you have boundaries set up. And children look for boundaries. And when there are no boundaries, it becomes very destructive. That's why I applaud single moms in this room. I applaud grandparents that are raising their grandchildren. Thank you. Thumbs up to you for saying, you know what, I'll do whatever it takes to not see a generation become destructive. Now we're in Genesis 26, verse 4. And God said, and I will make, this is to Abraham, I will make your descendants, your offspring, your children multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, in your family tree, in your bloodline, Abram, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Verse number five, because. 
Now this is what we will refer to as the because factor. The reason the Lord said, I'm going to cause your descendants and your offspring to be so blessed, because Abraham chose to obey my voice and keep my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. In other words, you know what Abraham said? I'm going to be a generational history maker. I'm going to be a generational man that carries the blessing. I'm going to be a generational man that will impart before I depart. I'm going to be a generational man that will leave a kingdom legacy for my children. And this is what when I referred to earlier, if you're walking in great blessings in your life, understand that it wasn't just like an apple that fell out of the tree and hit you in the head. Someone chose to honor God. Someone chose to live for it. And guess who was the recipient of that in this situation? Isaac. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and all the other stuff in there that it mentions. And the point is this. Number one, Isaac was blessed. That his tendency wasn't to lean to a generational iniquity. His tendency was to lean to a generational blessing. But not only did he have that tendency, that nature within him, because of his daddy, Abraham, Isaac chose to serve God. And when you see from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh, every one of them chose to serve God. This is what you see on this Father's Day with Abraham. Abraham was the father of a son that firsthand he witnessed the generational blessing in Abraham, I mean in Isaac. Abraham was also the father that witnessed a generational iniquity with Ishmael. He saw both. He saw them both. What I begin to see when you study, whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they like to bless their children. They like to affirm their children. In the book of Genesis 48, that's where I'll go to next, in this passage, Jacob is getting very old in his life. And this is when Joseph had come back to him. And Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, was there. And it specifically said, And Jacob, or Israel, he laid his hands upon them. He laid his hands upon them. And we're in Genesis 48. Look at verse 15. And it said, And he blessed Joseph, the father Jacob. And he said, He blessed Joseph. And he said, May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God has fed me all my life long to this day. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil or harm. Bless these lads. Let my name, let my legacy be upon them. And the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. 
Now, this was right before he was to die and leave this earth. And so you, you see the pattern. They would bless their, children's before, their children before they left the earth. They would affirm them. This morning, right now, I want to say bless all you fathers. Bless you once again. You're needed. You're valued. But this is to say, is my heart tattooed with Joshua 24, 15? As for me and my house, I'm, I'm going to serve the Lord. I cherish the opportunity to, to be the model, to be the example. Same as you guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.